When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Andy West of BBC Sport and La Liga TV. You're listening to Barca Talk. Today on Barca Talk. While the UEFA European Championship qualifying rounds are underway, La Liga has little going on. We took the opportunity to speak to sports writer and author Andy West about how FC Barcelona have started the season, considering the loss of Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, and Usman Dembele to injury, and he has a life lesson for you, taken from the book of Messi. All right, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Gabriel is on break this week. FC Barcelona and all the clubs, for that matter, are on break, too, as the uh, national teams take the pitch for various reasons. In Europe, the qualifying rounds for Euro 2020 are underway, while the South American nations are playing friendlies. So this gave us the chance to talk with Andy West, who you heard introduce the show, about how Barca's season has been going so far. Gabriel and I, you know, we're both so biased toward Barca that it was really nice to hear some analysis and thoughts from a neutral and a very well-informed neutral at that. And I'll get to him in just a couple minutes. I do have a couple of things to tell you first, though. Uh, first thing, you know, we pride ourselves here at Barca Talk on our coverage of Barca B and FCB Femini in addition to the men's first team. And we had planned to have our Femini correspondent, Michelle Taylor, on the show today to keep you informed about the women's team. However, she has become burdened lately with a lot of different things, both professional and personal. So right now we're in the process of figuring out how we're going to cover the women's team moving forward. But we will find a way to cover them. I can tell you that the women's first match in the Spanish Women's Primera Division against C.D. Tacón was a runaway goal train. The Barca women won the game 9-1 with goals from Alexia Putellas, two from Aitana Bonamati, an own goal given up by Tacón defender Lucia Suarez, one from Mariona Caldente, one for the team's new signing, Norwegian forward Caroline Graham Hansen, and a hat trick by Jenny Hermoso. Hermoso was at Barcelona from 2014 to 2017 when she left for PSG, later returning to Spain to play for Atletico Madrid, finally returning to Barcelona this year. And it was quite a return, finishing off her hat trick in the 93rd minute. This was also the debut of the women's team in the recently inaugurated Estadi Johan Cruyff. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, check it out. After the Champions League group draw, we ran down Barcelona's group, figuring out which clubs we consider the biggest threats. 
We also had a great segment about the new Johann Cruyff Stadium and Barca B from Max Bluer, our Barca B correspondent. We had a rundown of how competitive La Liga is already looking after only three games, and we had a full match review of the draw against Osasuna. Now, you'll hear Andy West's takes on that Osasuna match as well as the first two Barca matches of the season, the loss to Athletic Bilbao and the 5-2 defeat of Real Betis in just a moment. Become a patron of Barca Talk to get an enhanced listening experience. Double the weekly episodes, no calls to action, like this one, and no commercials, plus bonus content, all for $5 a month. Find a link in the notes for this episode, or go to the support page at barsatalk.net to sign up for the patron experience. All right, so now we're going to get into the conversation I had with Andy West, and I just want to let you know that there is another guy, another British journalist named Andy West, and that is not the guy that I talked to. Our Andy writes for BBC Sport. He's also a commentator on La Liga TV, and you can follow him on Twitter at AndyWest01. The 01 is very important. Otherwise, you'll find this other Andy West that I'm talking about. All right, let's get into my conversation with Andy West. So I want to go back and just take a look at the first three matches for FC Barcelona this year in La Liga. It's not a whole lot to go on at the moment, but I, w- I just have a one question for each match that I- I'd like to try and get into. So starting with match day one against Athletic Club of Bilbao mm-hmm. at the San Mames, mm-hmm. it was a 0-1 loss on a goal from Aritz Aduritz. It was a stupendous goal by the veteran. And the bigger issue from a Barcelona perspective in that game was the lack of scoring. So Barcelona only managed one shot on target in the whole game. Do you think that that came down to superior defending or pressing from Athletic, or do you think it was more that Barcelona just weren't working together effectively? I think it was a combination of things. I think, yeah, you've got to take into account that Athletic are are very strong at home, and they have been certainly since the new manager took over midway through last season. They're on a long run of good results at home. It's a very difficult place to go. Um, The pre-season came into it. The the Athletic had a a comfortable pre-season, shorter journeys, good preparation. Barca zigzagged across time zones, got lots of players back late, for, for various reasons um, so they weren't sharp for the game and then of course they, they lost Luis Suarez during the game so you, you build your attack around him and then he goes Griezmann was, was playing for the first time and had to change positions midway through the game so I just think it was a combination of things and of course, which we'll talk about in more detail, I'm sure, in the other games, they were without Messi, who, who is the focal point of your team at all times. Everything goes through him. When he's not there, you really notice it. So a combination of things. Good opposition who were physically in a better shape than Barca. Um, Barca losing Luis Suarez during the game. And Valverde, by the way he reacted, making two changes at halftime, obviously wasn't happy with the way his, he had set up the game from the beginning, which he tried to change in the second half. Um, but I don't think you can just put it down to one thing. It, it was a combination of factors. Sure. And as far as the absence of Messi, it seems to me that no matter who it is, whether it's Lionel Messi, greatest footballer of all time, or 
you know anyone else who is the the forward that your your game tends to revolve around when they're not available that's always going to cause a lot of problems of course i mean look at it from another example uh, close to barca espanol you know they've they lost their key striker during the summer borja iglesias went to real betis they've played three games do you know how many goals they've scored zero <laughs> yeah so you know it, it, it makes an effect for for any team a big impact for any team to lose the most important attacking player Messi obviously is that for Barca they have to find ways of, of being effective without him because I think there will be more times when he doesn't play especially in the lower profile league games as he's you know now 32 he's got to look after his body um, he's got to preserve himself for the big games towards the end of the season I think we'll see him play less and less um, but I still think they're finding their feet along that path of, of trying to find a way of being effective without Messi and I think Griezmann will play a huge role in that in due course but you know if we're looking back at the first game in Bilbao that was his competitive debut he'd never played with Luis Suarez before then Suarez going off so yeah of course Messi was was bound to be missed and especially even more in, in those circumstances. Right, exactly. Now, moving on to match day two against Real Betis, this was the first match in the Camp Nou. It was a 5-2 win, and this was a surprising show of great link-up play and movement from Barcelona. Uh, Griezmann seemed completely plugged in. He scored two goals and assisted Vidal on a goal as well, and it looked like a very different side from the one that played Athletic just the week before. So did you notice any major changes in Barcelona, or was it also contributed to by how Betis were playing? Yeah, well, firstly, Betis didn't defend well, we, we have to say that. However, Barca were excellent that day, and it was a really refreshing performance, I thought, from what we've seen over much of the last couple of years, really, of, of Valverde's reign. It was very different in style. I was really interested by that performance. The way they played going forward, the front six played with such tempo at such a speed that we just haven't seen from Barca in, in recent times. And a lot of that came from the wingers. You had Rafinha on the left, Carlos Perez on the right, both holding wide positions but cutting inside to support Griezmann who had the freedom almost like a false nine almost like Messi had, had played for those years in the false nine role to drop back into midfield and link play then he had Sergio Roberto doing what he does really well in midfield probably better than any other Barca midfielder which is is breaking the lines of the opposition midfield and attack by making well-timed runs his, his sense of when to move into space is outstanding Sergio Roberto and he was doing that very well in that game. Frankie de Jong, who's still settling, but but he is obviously a very dynamic player. His movement is excellent. And, and Busquets sort of holding it all together from the middle. So it was a, a, a fascinating performance. And the tempo that Barca played at was the thing for me that Betis just couldn't live with it. And it would be really interesting to see if that is the kind of templates that, that Valverde wants to set for the future for his team and if it is how he can do it because assuming when they're all fit that Luis Suarez is going to play as a centre forward Griezmann will play on the left and Messi on the right that's a different three personnel but what Griezmann staying in the team but moving to a different position and they're not really capable physically of playing in the way that the, the front three did against Betis 
that that day. So it might prove to have just been a one-off game that won't really tell us much about Barca's style over the rest of the season. But I really enjoyed it. I thought, and I thought it was a really refreshing performance. Yeah, same here. I felt like I was watching a Barcelona from another time when when things flowed a little bit better for them. So yeah, yeah. that was a joy. But then the following week, uh, most recently, match day three against Osasuna. This was on the road for them at El Sadar, a 2-2 draw. And this was another case of lack of creation. Osasuna had Griezmann, it seemed like, completely bottled up. And it really wasn't until the second half when Ansu Fati came on, taking Semedo out of the game, that Barcelona really started to make threats. And El Sadar is a tough place to play, as I understand it. But uh, do you yeah. think Barcelona is is sort of cursed when they're away from home right now? Um, I'd just like to... You made the point about El Sadar being a tough place to play. Osasuna won the second division last year. I'm, I'm sure people might know that, but probably don't know a lot of people just how good they were at home. They haven't lost at home for a year. They went on a run at the end of last season of winning, I think it was 16, 17 consecutive games at home. And they only conceded during that 17 game run, five goals. This is a very good team at home. So I think we have to take that into account. And as much as Vasa's failings, we have to give credit to Osasuna for being such a strong team at home. But then Certainly, yes, yeah. you, you, you would expect Barcelona to create more chances whoever they're playing against. And it was a strange, strangely flat performance following Betis. You know, we just spoke about how vibrant Barca were against Betis. And then you saw the Osasuna game with pretty much the same starting 11. I think it might have been exactly the same starting 11, actually. I think it was. It was, yeah. Playing in a, yeah, playing in a very different way and unable to maintain that um, intensity and vibrancy. A lot of the credit for that goes to Osasuna, of course, but it's still something that Barca should have been able to do better and shouldn't have to rely on being bailed out by a 16-year-old coming off the bench as they, as they were. And then Arthur coming off the bench as well for his, his first appearance of the season and obviously helping change the goal, not just with his uh, change the game, not just with his goal, but also the way he got hold of the ball and controlled the, the possession and controlled the tempo. Um, so it was strange. And, and that game said to me more than anything that I think Barca are still finding their way this season. Valverde, he knows that change is needed in style and personnel, but he's not exactly sure how, how it's going to transpire. Maybe the Betis game is how he wants to do it, certainly with the midfield. And it's really interesting that Sergio Roberto has started every game in, in midfield so far um, because he, as I've mentioned earlier, gives that um, extra movement and dynamism that, that is lacking in midfield without him. But it's, it's not always going to work, especially at first when you're still finding your feet with that formation, especially away from home. And this away form, is, is you, you, to bring back to your question, Barca are cursed at the moment away from home. It is a problem. If Going back to last season, it's, it's a few months now that Barca haven't played very well away from home. They haven't been convincing or got good results. You know, you look at obviously the Liverpool game, um, the, the cup final against Valencia, which obviously was neutral, but it wasn't 
a home game for Barca, then the loss at Athletic Club. They drew at Abar towards the end of last season, I, I seem to recall, as, as well as the Osasuna game we've just seen now. So there's been a long, long run of games for Barca where they've been unable to, to impose themselves. And another one I've just remembered is... Um, Celta Vigo, do you remember that? Just before the Liverpool tie, when at the time we thought, well, he's rested everyone, it doesn't matter. But that was symptomatic of, of everything we've seen since in, in all the other games that, that Barca have had away from home. And that's an issue that, that Valverde is, is going to have to sort out, because if the away form continues like this, Barca aren't going to win anything this season. Right. I mean, no one can win anything in a season with away form like that. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to shift and talk about a few different players. I have three players that I want to talk about, uh, particularly starting with Ivan Rakitic. He's played a total of 44 minutes so far yeah. this season. So do you think that he's going to get more playing time moving forward or that he should? Yes and yes. <laughs> um, I think his start to the season, like, and this is something I think we, we have to take into account, was the, the Neymar saga where um, it was dominating the media headlines, but you can be sure it was a big issue internally as well because the club obviously was making an effort to sign Neymar and that would have involved, if it had happened, players leaving. Now, they would have been the players, not of the coach's choice, not of Valverde's choice, but the, the hierarchy, Bartomeu and the, and the rest of the, the board would have decided which players were going. I'm pretty sure Valverde would not have picked Rakitic to go. He's selected Rakitic more than any other player than Messi. Uh, aside from Messi, Rakitic started more games than, than anyone in, in La Liga in the last two years for Valverde. You don't go from that status to suddenly not starting at all unless there's an ulterior motive. And, and that motive, I'm pretty sure, was Valverde knowing Rakitic might have to go. So we need to think about how we can progress without him or even putting pressure on him from board level, not from Valverde, putting pressure on Rakitic to say, well, you're not going to play, so you might as well go. But now he's staying. Now Neymar's not coming. I think he's too good a player not not to become a, a regular in that starting 11, especially while uh, De Jong is adapting. He's going to be a, a fabulous player, I'm convinced of it, but he he will need time to become accustomed to a new league, a new club, a new intensity of play. Uh, he will, but in the meantime, I think Rakitic will, will come back in the team. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes straight back in the, the starting 11 when we come back from the international break. Um, I know he's got a lot of critics, Rakitic, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening to me talking about him saying, what are you talking about? Rakitic is awful. He's got to go. It seems to be a lot of people on social media think that. But he's just such an, an all-round midfielder. He does something. He does everything. He does everything well. He doesn't do anything spectacularly, but he's selfless. He plays for the team. You can tell him to play on that right side of midfield and cover for Messi because he's not going to defend, and he'll do it. You can tell him to sit in front of the back four because Busquets is being rested. He'll do it. You can tell him to play on the left side of the three because we need someone to fill in there for today. Well, he'll do it. He can do everything, and he does it selflessly. He's still, uh, for me, a world-class player. What he doesn't have is that, that dynamism. That, that we were talking about maybe needs to be injected into the midfield. And I wonder how many more times we'll see Busquets and Rakitic 
playing together in the same team because when they're both in there together, they're just too slow defensively. There's too many gaps for the opposition, especially on the counter-attack. They leave too much space because they can't cover the ground. So, you know, whether they both start together many times, we'll, we'll see. But I think that's an area that, that Valverde, the midfield, is definitely, we can tell by the way he's changed it so many times already this season, it's an area he's concerned about. Sure. Now, you mentioned Busquets, and that's exactly who I want to talk about next. Is Sergio Busquets still in the condition to be playing every game? No, I don't think he is. Now, I have to acknowledge that Busquets has been an integral member of one of uh, of Barca's greatest ever phase in their history, the, the greatest team of all teams in history. Busquets was an integral member of that. But Time moves on. He's in his 30s now. He was never athletic, but he now just can get bullied. I think we see teams do this. Real Madrid tried it in the in the games uh, March, was it, when Barca played there twice in in a, in a couple of, in, a, in ten days in the right, cup yeah. in the league, and they attacked Busquets every time he got the ball Benzema would come back and snap at him and dispossess him and it, it was a problem in that game Barca both those games Barca overcame it and got positive results but I think it's something that Liverpool exploited as well Busquets just cannot play as a single pivot I don't think successfully against top level opposition because he's just too slow now and what they might be able to do is is have a double pivot have I, I would rather it was not Rakitic because he's not the greatest physically either, but have Frankie de Jong next to him or even have Arthur next to him to support him. So rather than playing the 4-3-3 three, three with the, the single pivot in front of the back four, which is Busquets has done so many years, and two players next to him going towards the wings, have him there as the double pivot, as he did internationally with Spain, with, with Xabi Alonso in their golden area. Uh, it was Busquets next to Xabi Alonso. Different kinds of players, but incredibly effective next to each other. Uh, I think that's the way that Busquets can still be a, a key player for Barca. Because we saw against Betis, he's still got that amazing vision, the amazing ability to quickly see and execute a pass. Um, the, the reading of the game, he's still got that and, and he will never lose that. But physically, he's declining and, and that's been evident for 18 months or so, I think. So I don't think he can play in big games, especially away from home, uh, as the sole pivot in, in a 4-3-3. I, I think that's going to be very dangerous if, if that continues. Right. Yeah, that era might be over for him. Sadly, yeah, because he's yeah. been a, 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 an iconic player for Barca and, and he deserved better than being gradually um, overtaken and, and in the end having no role to play. I think Valverde might need to find a way of supporting him so that he can still be important and use his qualities without exposing him too much. Right, and that helps the team anyway. So it would be to Valverde's advantage to do that. Yeah. And Valverde, you know, he played the 4-2-3-1 formation for years. That's been his default formation over the course of his career before he came to Barca. In Bilbao, for example, you had the 4-2-3-1 where the two would be someone like Benyat and maybe a Turaspe next to each other or San Jose. And Busquets can, can play in that position with someone next to him, no doubt. And maybe that's 
I thought actually if Neymar had signed, that's what, what he would have done. Um, Neymar on the left, Messi behind, Suarez, Griezmann on the right, something like that. But obviously that's a different story now. Right, sure. <laughs> and and finally, uh, you mentioned about when Luis Suarez comes back and how he and Griezmann will probably be lined up next to each other. Um, and the question is, when Suarez returns from injury, do you think that Griezmann will be working with Suarez or will he have to sort of play around him and find a, another way? I think he'll have to play around him. He'll, I, I imagine that the the standard formation will be the front three with Messi on the right, as he has been in the last few years, and sort of inside right. Suarez in the middle, because he's not going to play anywhere else in the forward line. And Griezmann on the left, which is something he can do. Um, on the left, coming inside as, as, a, as a false winger in the way that Messi is on the right. But Griezmann won't be able to lead the line in the way that he did against uh, Real Betis. I think he can do it. He's he's played in that. He's, he's had a lot of versatility over over his time with Atletico. He's played everywhere across the forward line, including both sides in a four three three, with uh, Diego Costa, for example, as as the focal point of the attack. And he is a versatile player. He's very very good defensively, so he'll he'll offer support to Jordi Alba. It will limit him somewhat, but I think that will be the way that Barca go this season, at least. Beyond that, maybe Suarez will become a squad player to, to come on, you know, if the team needs a goal or to come on for the last 20 minutes to, to relieve Griezmann, who will become the nine. But for this season, I think still Suarez will be the majority of the time the centre forward with, with Griezmann and uh, Messi playing off and around him. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, take a minute to rate the show, and if you have an extra minute, leave a review. No matter how you listen, though, remember to subscribe or follow the show so you can always stay up to date with new episodes. You know, having the week off from La Liga action, especially so early in the season, it's been tough. You know, I I can't wait for La Liga to start back up again. We're going to have a full preview and scouting report of Barcelona's next opponent, Valencia, on our Thursday episode for Patreon supporters. You'll hear that on Friday in the regular podcast feed. But now, here's the conclusion of my conversation with Andy West. You wrote the book, Lionel Messi and the Art of Living. Right now, today, it's Thursday, at the beginning of the international break. Are there any uh, lessons on life from your book that you could share with us on this day? For, for me, on a personal note, today is being my kids going back to school after um, their long summer holiday. And they didn't want to go, of course. Who does? Which children want to go to school? But they know, and I've obviously told them, as all parents have this conversation, you've got to go back to school. It's just what you've got to do, and you've got to learn. You've got to apply yourself in your lessons. And if you want to be good at something, you want to be successful in life, you're going to have to work hard. If you don't get anywhere without working hard, and what an example Lionel Messi is for that, the hours and hours that he has spent from childhood onwards committing himself to being good and staying good and then getting even better, he, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have become the best player in history without working incredibly hard at it. You know, there's a, there's a fascinating conversation, which I'm sure we don't have time to go into, about um, natural talent 
and hard work, ability that comes through hard work. I think, of course, there's, there's God-given talent or whatever you want to call it, but the majority of it comes through effort. And Messi now, having won everything he's won, it could have, he could have hung up his boots five years ago. He'd achieved everything in football, but he keeps coming back. He keeps working hard. He keeps making sacrifices. Um, and I think that's an incredibly powerful message for all of us. Anyone wants to do anything in life, look at even the best ever has to work hard at it. Yeah, and you know, it's I was just watching uh, this program that Amazon produced recently called This Is Football, and they have one episode entitled Wonder that is entirely devoted to Lionel Messi. It's not about Barcelona overall. It's just about him and his genius. And they're comparing him to artists. They're comparing him to Michelangelo. They're comparing him to... uh, Well, they're using Einstein to try and explain the mathematics behind what makes him so great sometimes and how he finds Mm. space. But it is a beautiful little piece that doesn't compare him to other footballers as much as it compares him to some of the greatest artists in history. And it's really fun and it feels great. Um, it, you know, it feels, fills me with tingles to watch it. But what they don't talk about at all in that episode is exactly what you just brought up is sure, he obviously has some kind of natural talent and natural ability and an incredible love for the game. But also he has this determination and dedication to work hard always year after year after year after year. Yeah, as as did all those artists that you mentioned, you know, anyone who has achieved anything stupendous in the history of mankind has done it through hard work, mainly. Obviously, you have other factors as well. But if you don't work hard, you don't you don't get anything. So it's a good, good life lesson from Lionel Messi today. I believe thanks. so. <laughs> I believe so. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Andy West this week. Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and post-production by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Support the show at Patreon for more episodes and fewer interruptions. Until next time, Visca Barca! Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.